So we're going to talk today with Cindy Sinex. I'm so excited to share with you this new project that she has going, seeing her build it from the ground up, and it has great value to so many people. She's the founder of the brand new nonprofit, the Chronic Illness Hotline. This is Vicki Wu, and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. The Chronic Illness Hotline is supporting those with chronic illness, chronic injury, and chronic pain because we too understand the unique struggles and successes of a life with health disparities. Towards the end of the podcast today, Cindy, I want you to share how the audience can get connected to help your cause or to be helped. But first, I want to talk about the business in general, the nonprofit, and all that good juicy stuff. So join me in welcoming Cindy to the podcast. Hello, everybody. I want to talk briefly about you and your background because I know some of what you experienced has fed directly into why you started this nonprofit. So tell us about you and your background. Well, I am a former classroom health education teacher. Um, I was happily working, dealing with a area outside of DC, and I slipped and fell one day at work. What transpired was kind of falling down this healthcare rabbit hole. Um, I was misdiagnosed. They missed a major injury that affected my spine, my diaphragm, my rib cage, and from that, every bone in my body was dislocated. They said, as I kept going from neurologist, rheumatologist, to pain management specialist, to family practitioners, to all different types of doctors, that I most likely had fibromyalgia. It was brought on by this trauma from a very kind of I don't want to say light slip and fall, but it was kind of, um, I wasn't majorly hurt and broken bones, no actual bleeding from the head or anything. So they said, oh, it must have triggered some kind of autoimmune response and you have fibromyalgia and one of the major symptoms you experience is costochondritis, which is where you have inflammation between all of your rib cages. So, you know, I'm going online and I'm looking at all of the information about fibromyalgia and I'm like, well, I mean, I line up with most of these symptoms, all of these things I'm experiencing, all of this major pain, all of this kind of nerve numbness and tingling and issues. And I just kept listening to doctor after doctor. All of the doctors kind of reconfirmed that it was this fibromyalgia. We started using medications that are prevalent today, as well as 10 to 15 years ago, which is the use of antidepressants, especially SSRIs, in order to uh, soothe the pain that one is experiencing. I didn't need those medications, and so it drove my serotonin levels up that were at a normal level into a toxic level. And over few years, it caused um, nerve damage, chemically burned my skin, killed some of the nerves in my body. I had to have um, nerves removed from my face that had died. It caused cardiac arrest as well as possible heart attacks. We're still figuring out everything. It caused um, respiratory failure, many, many episodes of that. And my doctors at the time, as I'm going back and giving them these symptoms, they keep saying that it's anxiety, that I'm overwhelmed, that I'm dealing with so much in my life. I'm trying to continue to be a teacher at this point because I'm not at a level where they're 
saying that I can't be employed because I should be responding to these medications. I should be rebounding better um, because they really, truly believed that they were helping me. At the time, the medical community was aware of serotonin syndrome because of MAOI, which is another type of antidepressant, but we hadn't seen it quite as much and it wasn't as common. So ER doctors, when I went for help for cardiac episodes and breathing issues from the respiratory failure, as well as the damage to my diaphragm, was kind of missed because they didn't understand how common this was because it was a new practice to use these drugs at such a high dosage for the fibromyalgia treatment. It took doctors eight years for us to figure out that the serotonin syndrome, serotonin toxicity had occurred. And then it took us 11 or 12 years to add on top of that, that I had traumatic and acquired brain injuries from the lack of oxygen from me passing out during all these episodes. So in those years, I struggled immensely. I, you know, had a hard time explaining to you what was happening. The changes and the distrust for the medical community really took a toll on my life. I relocated because of the cost of living in D.C. versus where I am now was needed because I had lost my job. I wasn't able to stay gainfully employed. I had this massive injury in my body that wasn't allowing me to kind of progress. I uh, really needed something like the chronic illness hotline, and it wasn't really there. And thankfully, with the internet, there are support groups, but since I didn't have a proper diagnosis, I never really felt like I fit. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are like, I'm not yet diagnosed, or they think it's this, or maybe it's that, and it's a really tough place to be. It's already hard enough to be diagnosed with something life-changing, to have this changing story really strips you and causes a lot of shame. I always had the, the crisis hotline on standby during some of my toughest nights, but I really never contacted them because I felt as if, well, I'm kind of the opposite. These people are calling in because they want to take their life, and I'm calling in because I'm afraid my life is being taken, and I don't know how to deal with that. And I hear it from a lot in the community that, like, oh, I don't want to waste a valuable resource that someone else really needs. My problems are different. So we're hoping to really fill in the gaps and give people their own space to process what they're going through. I love that work that you're doing. And I've obviously, since I've known you through all of this before it yeah. happened, I've seen the struggles that you've dealt with. And every time it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just getting worse. I, I watched that from the yeah. outside that they're not fixing her. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever they think is broken, they're not fixing. Not that anything was um, completely, but I even felt like they're looking and thinking, I don't see anything like visibly wrong, so it must be in your head. Yeah, very quick to add that in. And I hear that a lot in the community is that it's very quick to be like, this is what we're looking for. This isn't there you, you know, I, some doctors will say you must be lying, but the majority of them just kind of imply that, or that's what you feel like. And it's, it's hard. I've experienced that myself a small bit, not to the extent that you have, but neck problems, they assume, oh, you know, it's just stress. It's muscles, it's stress. Yeah. But it was, it actually stems from my neck was broken. I had a hairline <sighs> fracture in it. But until, you know, I had to push and push until they, like, actually, like, x-rayed and things. 
they just assumed it was my in my head and I wasn't experiencing near the level that you did. And I want to just mention again in case the audience missed it, they prescribed you medicine and it was medicine for depression, which you didn't really have. You probably have. had it somewhat, but it was more because of what yeah. you were having to deal with. Yeah. So they just prescribed you medicine for depression and assumed that would take care of it. And it didn't because that wasn't the problem. As you mentioned, you were looking at some of the other crisis hotlines, but it didn't quite fit. So why another hotline? How is this one different? And I know you mentioned that it's not just for people when they're needing support, but also when they need celebration. And yeah. it's like, why would somebody celebrate chronic <laughs> illness? Why are you celebrating a chronic illness? So how are you different? Well, so the first part of all of the reasons that we have so many different hotlines is because it truly makes a difference when you're speaking to someone who lived that experience. We see a lot of times if you've ever had any kind of hardship in your life, people say, go find a support group, go find others who are similar to you so that they can help lead you through what you're experiencing. And that's all this is. We have a hotline for, like I had mentioned, crisis hotline for mental health and suicide problems. There's another just, just strictly mental health. There's our veterans hotline. There's disaster relief hotline. There's the Trevor Project. This is the LBGT community. There's a specific trans hotline now. There's a brand new caregivers hotline. And, and there's way more. All of these different communities need to be able to reach out to someone who has lived that life. I can only support you so far, but if I've walked in those shoes, it's a different kind of camaraderie. That's what we're trying to give here, is that well-meaning, our best friends, our family, those who have never experienced a chronic illness, a chronic injury, or chronic pain, sometimes miss what we're trying to say. They're being as positive and they're being as supportive and as loving as they know, but it still is heartbreaking <laughs> and it still happens. And when you get to speak with people who are living the same life as you, it makes you feel so less isolated. It makes you feel so less alone. You are able to kind of free yourself of a lot of shame. And that is something that we work to do. I'm excited that you remembered that we celebrate <laughs> things too. We're not the same as some of the hotlines. They do great work and they're there for moments of crisis. They want to take you from a hot moment into a cooler zone and they want you to be able to then go find the resources that can give you the support and help that you need. We are there to kind of either, you know, you may contact us anonymously just to be able to help you in a moment that is stressful or waiting for lab results or waiting to meet a doctor and you just want someone there. But you also can establish a relationship with us and kind of call back and be able to have someone be able to work with you on your case. We have kind of like our big five examples of why people reach out, but you may reach out for anything. We allow people vending negatives. That's, you know, kind of the main thing that a support group is. Celebrating the positive. Sometimes, as I mentioned, you know, people don't understand that don't live a chronic illness lifestyle, how important something little may be. You also might feel embarrassed to be like, oh, you know, I conquered this mountain, but it's not a 
my health, it's my dignity, and I don't want to celebrate it as much, but I need a place that understands. We give space for people to practice advocating to their medical professionals. Sometimes you just need a space where someone is listening and you're going through and you're flubbing and you're like, oh, I shouldn't say it in that way, and just giving you a space to practice, as well as building your story for friends, family, and strangers. It's hard when someone says, how are you? <laughs> and it's such a common question, but it catches you up. Um, being able to advocate for yourself and playing, uh, feeling safe when you share is really important. Setting goals or helping you track progress is also something that we can help with. And um, identifying resources and helping you follow through with getting help. There's a big difference between, oh, I have this number or I know this doctor or I trust this person or I want to do this or that, and actually building up the courage when you're also sick and you're also dealing with changes in your lifestyle. People that I know who have gone through something similar, including, again, what I was perceiving from the outside of your journey, is that you get so just tired. You yeah. get tired of, I mean, even my pain in my neck, which isn't nearly what you were going through. I mean, it's just an annoyance. Sometimes it's, yeah, bad pain. But sometimes I just get so tired of it. And I'm like, I'm tired of dealing with it. I don't want to deal with a doctor. I don't want to look for another resource. I just want somebody to, like, let me gripe. And it can't yeah. be my poor husband because he really <laughs> gripes about that all the time. Like, and yeah, we're supposed to stay positive, but sometimes you just need somebody to listen that you can let it out. Let it mm -hmm. out, and so yeah. that's a great, a safe place to do that with people who really yeah. understand. I love that about the chronic illness hotline and. And it's confidential. This isn't anything that's shared anywhere else. What you say, as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting someone else, you are protected. Your privacy is extremely important, as, as all of us know in that, that it's very important to keep those things safe. Um, and as we said, you can always contact anonymous. You don't have to give a name. You don't have to give any identifying markers. We are just there to give you the support that you need, uh, which as if I can take a second, chronic illness hotline, this is kind of the main title, but it is user defined what chronic illness means. I there is no, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> there is no list. There is no definition on our end. If you feel that you fit the definition of someone that has a health problem that is in your life affecting you, we are there for you. Whether it is the beginning of a journey to get diagnosed, if you're recently diagnosed, or if you've been diagnosed for a lifetime, there are always things that you're going to cycle through, stages of grief, things that need to be celebrated, or just having a team of people that have your back. I ask my guests that are entrepreneurs kind of how their business has grown from where it started, but you're just starting. <laughs> Brand <with> new. <laughs> yeah. But I want to take people on a little bit of that journey. You're starting it. You're working towards getting your 501c3 nonprofit yep. designation. I know. Take us a little bit through the business side of it, the journey on how you got it started, what kind of resources you've looked for that you've needed help with, and how you're pushing it forward and making it happen? Well, my journey to become a small business owner started a handful of years ago, three or four years ago. Um, I realized, like many in the chronic illness community, that uh, working outside of the house wasn't going to be the best fit 
for my new lifestyle. Working an I'm a I used to be the best overworker out there. <laughs> and boy, the priorities shift when your health demands it. Um, so I started on uh, Facebook groups and my friends like you who were involved in educating others, really being like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to become, I can't paint, but maybe I'll become an artist or maybe I'll try making jewelry. Maybe I'll learn to sew. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot to learn. <laughs> I just tried continue to learn skills. You know, this is a company needs a website, and why do they need that nowadays? And what does SEO mean? And what are these marketing strategies that I vaguely remember from public health, where you know you're taking these behavior change initiatives and getting people to kind of pay attention to you. And I um, was able to kind of find different tribes online and start immersing myself in small business. And last fall, I actually saw a launch article for the trans hotline, and there were some chaos in the comments of all things online. And someone really said, and really, I, I wish I had screenshot it, but they said um, some of the effect of how important it is to be able to know the person on the other end of the phone line lives your life. And it sparked something in me to be like, okay, I've searched before to try to find a hotline that might be able to like listen to me and really be able to give me the support I need. Let me see if one's popped up and there was nothing. There are some programs, especially within some of the more well-funded illnesses, they have their own support lines that's designated for that specific ailment. And that is wonderful. There are states, New York and California, that tend to have a lot more public health initiatives. They have little hotlines, but there was nothing national. And that's when it kind of clicked a lot of my educational background is in nonprofit. When I was a classroom teacher, I ran a $300,000 grant from the state that um, lined up middle school with going to college. And I just kind of was like, oh, this is why I haven't been able to find the right business because this is the business for me. It doesn't allow me to kind of give up my public health background. It lets me combine everything. And then the true work began because it is like 10 full-time jobs <laughs> to start any business, to start a nonprofit, to be present online, to let people know that you're here, to engage, to build relationships, to learn. And I am square in the middle about six months later. Um, the wonderful plan as all small business owners that you started out with that was like, first I'll build the website, then I do this, then I do that, got thrown out the window when the coronavirus hit. We were on schedule to continue to do behind the scenes. We're going to build our website. We're going to get volunteers. We're going to train our volunteers. We're going to fill, fill out the 5031C paperwork. We're going to do everything that we're supposed to do. And then this hit, and I knew that the isolation and the ableism and just so much of how it felt like the chronic illness community was expendable for COVID-19 that we just halted and began giving services. So it has been a wild ride, and we are now kind of continuing to catch up. You know, I just 
hope that everyone understands that we're growing together. We cherish feedback. If there's anything that needs to be different, anything that doesn't really fit for what you and your community feels, we want to know. We love it and we really cherish criticism <laughs> when it's done. <laughs> not politely. in the mean <laughs> yes. And politely. Like we're we're here to grow together. I hope that in a year we're a hundred percent different than we are today and five years from now we're a billion times better. <laughs> in a second I wanna to talk to you about some of your marketing challenges because obviously that's where I can help even further. But before we do that, I want to talk about the fact that I have a pretty extensive nonprofit background also, which you know. I don't know if all my audience knows that. And one <laughs> of the things that I always preached was that people assume that nonprofits are they're run badly, maybe, that they should not make a profit, and that's right. not the case at all. <laughs> the difference is that they, they should make a profit because that helps them help more people, but the profit, instead of going in our pockets, goes back into the organization. And the best way you can do that, that you can raise more money, help more people, give them the best level of services, is by running it like the business that it is. All businesses are businesses. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're nonprofit or or if you're a business that is for profit, losing money, or if you're making a million dollars, whatever. Run it like a business. And also, in all businesses, people should be paid what they're worth. Yeah. Yes, in nonprofits, those of us who work in them do it partially to give back, but we still have to be able to support our families. Yes. We, can't, <laughs> we can't continue to risk our own families financially. It, it's a paying job, and... You should be paid what you're worth, and if you provide higher value, maybe it's still not completely at the level of a corporate job because people are giving their heart also, and, you know, usually the people that do that are willing to take a smaller, a slightly smaller pay cut, but we can't have that mentality that people working in a nonprofit, and I'm not talking about the CEO of these multi-billion right. dollar the nonprofits. Small, the small, medium nonprofits. Yeah. One, the people working in them need to be paid livable wages that yes. will keep their expertise there in the nonprofit helping more people. So now now let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Stay up there all day. Talk. Yeah, we can do this. But because of that need to have high quality services, not just any old service, but high quality services that our communities deserve, yeah. fundraising is important. And we're going to talk about other ways people can volunteer a little yes. bit later, but let's talk about fundraising. Your business, your nonprofit here, needs money to provide the hotline services. As small as I know you're keeping the budget really tight right now, yeah. but you still <laughs> need... I'm working for free. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know you're getting donations. Yeah. And you're one of our chosen charities to donate some of our services yes. to Pro Bono, but still there are things that you have to pay for yes. to keep running and to keep providing this service. So explain financially how people can help you. We need help 
right this second with we're raising money for the cost of the 501c3 we are trying to be able to employ different marketing strategies as well as different things that add up the cost of the website the little things that add up all of the different things that are needed um, being able to write up education to be able to expand the trainings that cost money um, being able to grow into a fully running business goals are to be able to employ other people that are disabled being able to eventually long-term goal give stipends to our volunteers the people that are on disability are sometimes asked to live on $800 a month and that is something that crushes your life I was forced into poverty during this adventure and it has been something that completely opened my eyes to the hardship of the chronic illness community and being able to build a business that can employ those who need to work remotely who are experts in their own lifestyle to be able to give back is really important and fundraising is the only way that we're going to be able to get there being able to provide health insurance to those who have you lose your job you lose your health insurance when you get sick FMLA only lasts so long your Cobra is so high that you most likely can't afford it um, rent continues to go up owning a house can sometimes count against you um, in your assets that you own being married there's a lot of things that kind of keep people down the crisis hotline right now has 10,000 volunteers <laughs> so we have one <laughs> we are on our way to grow um, we do have a training hopefully coming up this summer to add more volunteers and then in the fall a much more extensive um, but those cost marketing budget we have a uh, PayPal account is where we're starting um, we're hoping to be able to grow into things like GoFundMe all of these things just because you make a GoFundMe doesn't mean that people just give to you you have to put energy in you have to tell the story you have to be able to um, get people to follow along and so you are the guru of that <laughs> I um, you know that's another full-time job I also have a full-time job of being chronically ill uh, so being able to have people understand why giving a monthly donation on a recurring schedule is helpful why it's so important for them to reach out to their network especially if you can't give financially you can help spread the word and do um, a birthday fundraiser you can be able to just pass along to people who are interested in um, giving back to communities we all know and love someone who has health issues there isn't a family there isn't a group of friends especially as we get older <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't have this touch their life so it's something that hopefully people understand that giving to us isn't wasting money it isn't just kind of being like oh they're just answering the phone from home how hard can that be it's a huge huge undertaking that any small business owner can understand and I know from experience recruiting the people to help recruiting the volunteers to answer the phone or the text when people need help yeah and recruiting you know board members recruiting volunteers maybe to help you work on fundraisers 
even just that recruitment piece takes time, energy, and time. Yes. That's where we're at. That's why we're moving at a turtle's pace. Not only we want to do this correctly, we want to do this right. We want to learn as we grow. I wish that you could just post one post and be like, we need board members, and, and you're boom. just inundated. And just, yeah, and it just doesn't work that way. It's just, you know, it's just like having chronic illness. Being a small business owner is like, oh, I didn't even know what I didn't know. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'm going to do a quick challenge, which you didn't know I was doing. I didn't know I was doing. For our audience, I want to make a point that even small donations add up. Yes. So I'm going to, I'll drop your PayPal link down in the description, but I want to challenge everybody who's willing. Let's take the cost of a cup of coffee a week. I'm talking. I'm not talking the five cent one that you get out of your own, uh, you know, coffee pot. I'm talking the delicious like one. Five <laughs> Three five bucks a week. That's twenty dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to challenge everyone to either give their the cost of one cup of coffee a week this month one time twenty dollars, or ideally be willing to give the cost of a cup of coffee a week ongoing, and sign up for a monthly donation. 20 bucks a month, and what I know, first of all, I know that you're not squandering this. I know you're not paying yourself, because no. every day you've had come in so far, I know that you've spent it on the cost of the actual, the, the hotline, the phone number, that's tough itself. The website, filing a 501c3 is expensive. It expensive. requires help from lawyers for yes. the most part. You can get by sometimes without it, but it costs money. It costs money to file it with yes. the government. All of State and federal money. level. Yeah. yeah. We definitely want to make sure that we do a lawyer. We want to not only be able to get the 501c3, but there are things. We are walking a line of we are um, a volunteer agency that is helping you support you, but we aren't a therapist. We don't have the right to give you any medical advice, and we need to make sure that we are checking in with the lawyer that we are being able to give you the best support that we can. And as we grow into payroll and all of that, a lot of it is going to be lawyers and filing fees, and it is really important that the quicker we can raise the funds, the bigger the donations that we can get later. Because right now, it is out of the kindness of your heart, so thank you. <laughs> Getting to the tax-exempt status kind of changes the game. Yes, it does. It's huge. <laughs> and like I said, it costs money. So challenge to all the listeners for the cost of a cup of coffee a week, and go donate that now, and we'll, we'll talk in a minute about some other ways that they, if yes. they really don't feel like, maybe they're, they have chronic illness and they're not able to work themselves. Yeah. There's another ways they can There's get involved. There's so, so many other out. ways they can help. So I want to touch upon, as you've been starting up, the biggest marketing issues you've come across, and I know that we've had the opportunity to talk through a few of those and share our expertise and help through them, but what have they been as you're starting, I want to get this going, I want to get the word out, and what are the walls that you're hitting? Um, the biggest wall that I'm hitting is something that I also see in my personal life. I think there are two types of people in the world. One person that can just like engage with everyone on social media and gain these followers and just grow this beautiful thing. <laughs> and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> 
I post something on my personal Facebook and it's like crickets. <laughs> so me and my chronic illness, uh, now my six social media accounts, I try my best and I create animated pictures for social media and these hashtags work and this is the ones that are trending and I still have like, we have seven Twitter followers, so listeners, come love us on Twitter, please. <laughs> Follow yeah. them on Twitter and go like one of the tweets too because yeah. the engagement helps more people see it. See us, yeah. So even my, my personal Twitter, it's crickets. <laughs> I'm not magical, but like that comes with experience. It comes with growth. It comes with awesome opportunities like this. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. And it, it just is um, hard. It's hard for me to do social media. Um, we're starting, we're working on our website and uh, the blog. I have been asking anyone in the chronic illness community, if you want to share your story, if you want to share your art, if you want to make a video, if you want to send us a podcast that covers this, we want to help share your story. We want people to hear themselves and, you know, see themselves in each and every one of us so that they're way more comfortable calling in. It should feel like you're reconnecting with an old friend and that, you know, has your back and is listening. And the best thing about us is that unlike your friends, it's not about us. <laughs> We're not going to be like, yeah, well, me. It's just all about you and it's your safe space. Um, so if the social media fairy could come bless us, I <laughs> have not found that and I struggle. <laughs> well, let me tell you how the social media fairy can bless you. And again, it's through our audience. After you've gotten that cup of coffee and, you know, donated to the cause, go visit. I'm going to actually put all your social media links down in the description as well. And if everyone listening would pick even one of the platforms, click the link and go find any of the recent posts and engage on them. Like yeah. or love them, comment is even better. And if you will, share it on your own platform to get word yes. out about the chronic illness hotline. That would be even better. So those links will all be down in the description, but I'll have you share them also before we wrap up yeah. as well. And again, don't just go look at the page, like, follow, yes. comment, share. Do any exactly. of those things, five seconds. We all know someone with a chronic illness, a chronic ill injury, or chronic pain, and the best thing that you can do for them is let them find out that they have their own safe place. A lot of people won't use our service. They just know it's there if they do need it, and that can make a huge difference in their lives. Yeah, just from a kind of mental health perspective where maybe before you felt alone and now you know it's there and even if you don't use it, you don't feel so alone and that small change can have a huge impact. A huge impact. So I want you to share now one or two tips and they can either be tips, someone going through a journey like yours where you're not getting an answer, you're not getting the real diagnosis, it's all in your head. So either a tip on how someone can advocate for themselves or just a tip, we're talking positivity, mental health positivity in general, please share with us. All right, so if you're going through um, being diagnosed or you're experiencing health issues or you have a change in something where you're already diagnosed, one of the best things that you can do 
and it's kind of the scariest thing you can do is trust your gut. If you walk out of an appointment and you feel like something isn't right, trust it. The best thing that could happen is you're just reconfirmed and reconfirmed and it is just a hard spot that you're in, but it also could mean that there's more to the story and it is exhausting and it is hard and it is soul breaking, but you have to continue to keep up with advocating for yourself, for fighting for answers that um, show a bigger story. Uh, it is horrifically expensive asking for help during a horrifically hard thought that you're in is scary, but it's something that you kind of have to do, especially if you need help paying for appointments. Know that many, many, many people, especially women, have experienced that, especially in the African-American community, in the black community. We see that happening over and over again. And band together, find people online, find a group of people who are commiserating about it, share, read the comments, let it out, and then pick up the next day and go back to fighting for your health because you are worth it and it's not something that is only happening to you. It happens over and over again. Like Vicki experienced it. I experienced it. I have yet to find someone that is like, oh, it's 100% straightforward. Everything was completely right, right off the bat. Everything always worked. Like it's just not part of the journey. There isn't blame on every doctor out there. It's just something that happens. We're not, it's a science. It's not perfect. And the mental health tip that I kind of already alluded to is asking for help. And it is hard. And it doesn't have to be this big GoFundMe. It can be something as little as texting friends saying, I'm having a bad day. I could use encouragement. Hey, everybody, I could use some jokes or to see pictures of things that make you happy. Show me your puppies and kitties. These things are connecting you. It gives people, it's uncomfortable for other people to kind of comment in. Some of them, some people are really good at being a cheerleader and other people are like, ooh, I don't know what to say. I don't want to make want it to, work. Yeah. yeah. They want to say, but they don't know what to say. They don't know I how. I can give you a picture of a puppy all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And those little things help you and it kind of builds the stage to be able to ask for bigger help, to be able to share bigger things. I know that one of the best things that comes out of sharing, I shared my journey the entire time because I just couldn't hold it in. Um, I didn't really have family support. I didn't really have anyone in my corner going to appointments with me or checking in. So I had to kind of share on social media. It always surprised me that who showed up. And it really helped shape me continuing to be able to build this stamina to kind of fight the good fight and be sure that I got the answers I deserved. Um, and I think that people will be moved by, wow, I didn't realize that kid from elementary school was following along. Or I didn't realize that, you know, my grandma's neighbor that was added on my Facebook was thinking of me all the time. And those are the little things that will um, help you not collapse into isolation all the time. It will happen. 
it will, you know, it's extremely individual journey when your body is failing you. And that is normal. And the stages of grief that you go through, anger and guilt and kind of cycling through everything is just going to happen because if you care about yourself and you want to be back to a place where you feel good and that you can live the life that you want. And it's devastating when you kind of have to alter all of your hopes and dreams. Now I want you to share how the audience can get connected with you, both how they can get help. So if I'm needing help from the hotline, how I can talk to someone, as well as the people who want to volunteer and want to donate. So share all of your website, social media, whatever it is that you want to share. Right now we are text only. We do have goals to be able to grow, but we're text only. You can text the keyword CARE, C-A-R-E, to 202-596-6520, and we will be able to match you with a compassion counselor. If you would like to follow us on social media, on Facebook, we are under Chronic Illness Hotline. On Instagram, we are also under Chronic Illness Hotline. And on Twitter, we are under Illness Hotline. Liking, sharing. Some people would appreciate you sending the Illness Hotline information in a DM or a PM as opposed to just being tagged or shared onto their wall, especially if it's a, a health that they're not kind of out with on social media, please be mindful of respecting your friend's privacy. If they are a true advocate and speak about their story all the time, sharing to them, maybe ask first, but there is, you don't want to be tagging people <laughs> that may make them uncomfortable, but we definitely appreciate you letting it into your feed for everyone to see. I'm sharing to your story so that everyone sees this hotline is available. Texting care allows for you to be able to start the conversation with letting us know what you need, and we are really there for anything. All aspects of your life affect your chronic illness, so if there is a fight in a relationship that's stressing you, you're safe to vent about that. If it is something a lot of people had to move home from college or they're now isolating in a place where they're not quite as comfortable, if they're just kind of feeling despair because of isolation in general, we have people who text in over anything that's happening because it always comes back to affecting your health. And as with even healthy people, everything in your life affects mental health. They're all connected. Just text us, set up the text. We have a lot of people that just begin the conversation. That way it's set up in there. And when they're ready to speak to us, they text in. It can be an ongoing conversation. If you text in about one thing, you feel better. A week or two later, you something else comes up, just pick up right where you left off. Um, you don't have to pretext care, but you can. It's all it's up to you. Easy way to get involved, easy way to get the help. And whether you need some support right now, I urge you to take advantage of the text feature or any of the social media platforms. And if you have a way to support the organization through volunteering, through much like we do, we are sharing some of our expertise, supporting your efforts yes. as one of our chosen nonprofit partners to give back to, interested in donating, volunteering, 
any way you can help share your knowledge, your wealth, your expertise with the Chronic Illness Hotline, I urge you to jump on one of those links that you'll find down below. Yes, Ian. on our website, chronicillnesshotline.org, is there's a space for how you can support us. There's links to be able to give financial help. You can share that page. Um, there's also information on how to become a volunteer. All of our compassion counselors have chronic illness, injury, or pain, but we have volunteers that are helping with fundraising, helping with all different, like you, back behind the scenes, expertise. You can DM us on any social media platform to be able to start that volunteer relationship. We are looking for anyone that has a passion for giving back to the chronic illness community. Now's the time. If you have a question you'd like to ask me, you're free to do so and we can share some more expertise with you that would also help the audience. I think that I'm not alone when I ask this question of you, which is, can you give some helpful tips on the beast that is SEO? <laughs> People get so caught up in the technical aspects of SEO, keywords and meta titles and all these other things. And yes, technical aspects need to be addressed to make sure that your site can be crawled properly and that things that Google's looking for are there. But for the most part, you really need to focus more on your user. Your copy needs to be readable. It needs to relate to the person. It shouldn't be like no keyword stuffing. That's a bad practice long gone. You want, yes, the keywords in there, but really talking to your audience through your content on your website. One of the things that Google is moving more and more towards is user intent through their search process. And they're also expanding that to be focusing on user experience landing on your when they land on your website. So really, anything you can do to keep the end user in mind, is it easy for them to navigate? Does it provide the information they need? Am I talking to them? Those are really the types of things you need to keep in mind. And driving traffic to it, kind of same thing. Where are they? So that you're putting things there to help drive the traffic. All of those are things we actually teach in our new SEO Accelerator, which at the time we're recording, the wait list for that is open for the next session. These are all the concepts we teach. We do you an audit to check all the technical pieces and make nice. sure there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And if there is, we help you fix those. But we really teach you more of Google's newest SEO concepts that revolve around things like voice search, user intent, the thing that they're getting ready to put in place next year, which is user experience, some of those newest best practices, not as scary or hard to do as you think. You just need someone to guide you through it, and yeah. kind of that's what we do in our program. But anytime you can keep your end user in mind, much like you're doing with your hotline, that's where you're going to find the most benefit from any SEO efforts that you undertake. You'll benefit just by the fact that your hotline is so focused on the people using the hotline, and you'll get some of that newer SEO benefit automatically. Beyond that, yeah, the technical pieces, making sure the website can be crawled properly, the main keywords people are searching for, yes, you're using them, yes, you want to build backlinks from other sites back to yours, and all of that. For the most part, it's not as hard as it seems. It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, is out of that I get the fact that it's kind of always evolving. That's why it seems to be such a beast. As you mentioned, oh, the new practices, the changes at Google, and you just constantly have to be educating yourself. 
it was so great having you here today talking about this new project, which I'm just excited to see a lot of people get benefit from. Again, check the links down below and access some help if you need it or a way to give back to the community if that's what you need. As always, if you have marketing questions, you can ask them down below or you can visit our website, vickywoo.marketing. Bottom right corner, there is a chat bubble icon and you can ask your question there. We'll try to answer you directly or we may use your question on an upcoming episode. 